Augmented reveals the stories behind a new era of industrial operations where technology will restore the agility of frontline workers. In episode 32 of the podcast, the topic is Visualizing Factories. Our guest is Lior Zadikareo, Chief Revenue Officer at Visual Factories. In this conversation, we talk about the complex reality of Industry 4.0 and how the future is a product of the past and what will change in the life of an operations manager of a manufacturing company over the next few years. Augmented is a podcast for leaders, hosted by futurist Trun Arne Unheim, presented by Tulip.co, the frontline operations platform, and associated with MFG.works, the manufacturing upskilling community launched at the World Economic Forum. Each episode dives deep into a contemporary topic of concern across the industry and airs at 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time every Wednesday. Augmented, the Industry 4.0 podcast. Leo, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Trond? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm always good. I'm always up for a conversation. So, Same here. That. I'm really right. excited about uh, this conversation today. Leo, you are a software person, product person. You've been working in a bunch of different, uh, mostly, I guess, software companies and product uh, roles here. Um, MBA in marketing from Tel Aviv, you obviously big uh, background in Israeli companies, but, but also mm-hmm. computer science from Cal State, so you have some background in the U.S. Right. What was it that got you into your current situation where you're actually very focused on manufacturing? Well, I think it's a, it's a combination of uh, factors. Uh, over the last 10 years, I was very interested in, uh, well, actually even more than 10 years, I was very interested in product management. And, you know, product management went through sort of an evolution over the last decade or a little more. And um, when you think about it, when you think about product management, one of the key things that you have to keep in mind is you need to look into the future and think not only about, okay, where is technology today, but where is technology going to take us in two, three years from now, maybe five years, maybe if you really want to go wild on this, maybe 10 years uh, into the future. And, you know, and I was sort of thinking about this for the last, uh, you know, let's say three, four years, and I'm just trying to think, where is going to be the most, or where are we going to see the, the most, uh, most of the changes as a result of technology affecting specific uh, uh, areas and specific industries? And I actually mapped out a few, and manufacturing was actually one of the top ones where I think uh, things are going to be changing. And I think it's exciting to be in places where things are going to be changing. So this is how I sort of moved into manufacturing, then I like uh, three, four years ago, uh, understanding that manufacturing has uh, many varieties. You know, there is the the industrial side, and there's uh, uh, you know, and there's the the more the, the consumer uh, uh, side of uh, of manufacturing as well. So you know, we're we're also uh, putting a lot of uh, a lot of information and a lot of uh, uh, you know a lot of uh, different types of uh, of processes into one category, but obviously there's there's many many things that we need to consider when we talk about uh, manufacturing. But I thought that this is really an exciting place to be, and I was looking for how you know what is the best way to uh, to do it. And then 
I joined a company that is actually uh, Visual Factories, which is a company which is very active or has been active for the last uh, seven years uh, in uh, in manufacturing, trying to uh, bring Industry 4.0 uh, into manufacturing. Well, let's speak about that for a second. What does Visual Factories do? So, I, you know, from what I've understood, it's definitely kind of cloud-based monitoring of machines. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a cool name, Visual Factories. <laughs> so, it's essentially um, it's more than just monitoring. Then it has to do with visualizing in some way the the way that manufacturing factories operate. Also, well, I think that it's visualizing in a very uh, in a very uh, concrete sense, and when I say you know visualizing, I'm I'm talking about making what is the process and what is happening with the machines very transparent and me- very measurable. So what Visual Factories does is, when you look at the machine, when you just look at visually, you you may not really understand what's going on there. Okay, so what we try to do is really understand the essence of what is happening with the machine. So visualize it instead of you associating metrics with the machine. So how fast the machine is going, you know, is it working or not working? Is it uh, working at the pace that you expect it to? And obviously this is like the, 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 the base level. You can take it from there to how effective you are and measuring OEE and, and things like that. So it goes back into the base of understanding what a machine is doing, capturing the essence of what is happening with the, with the machine, and then turning that into the right information that can actually make us enable us to make good management decisions. Hmm. So you said you joined this company uh, a little bit into it. I, I know it was founded in 2014, right. uh, and you got a bunch of clients already. Uh, do, do you know? Can you tell me a little bit about the origin of the company, or at least when when you joined and what's been that sort of the change since you you know. Actually, the founders of the company have come from manufacturing. So, unlike myself, was you know my 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 background is mainly software. The founders of the company came from a manufacturing background. So, those are you know the people that were working with manufacturers for you know a couple of decades, and realized that uh, you know to do process improvement and to take process improvement within manufacturing to the next level, you need to uh, go through. Uh, you know, digital transformation. You need to take the machines into a different level, capture the right information, try to look at what kind of uh, uh, what kind of uh, um, what kind of data you can look in front, you can look at, and then try to see what operations you can do differently and how can you optimize those uh, those processes. So it, it came from manufacturing, understanding that the manufacturing process is or it can be very complex. At a machine level, but also on an intermachine uh, level, and then trying to build tools that will enable manufacturers to optimize that process. Hmm. Um, I, I noticed uh, on your website when you cite clients, you actually cite engine manufacturers. So, so I saw Rolls Royce and Pratt and Whitney. Uh, so you're yeah. actually partnering directly with the people that make these machines, as opposed to just with the companies that have the machines on the factory floor. Right. We we do both. So, but you know, we're looking at the manufacturers from a manufacturing point of view. So when you do when you manufacture for manufacturers, you also do going through a manufacturing process. So you know we're we're looking at Pratt and Whitney and Rolls Royce as manufacturers trying to optimize their processes to make sure that they are 
you know, working at the at the right at the right speed at the right pace, trying to make sure that they have the right OEE and trying to strive to make sure that the machines are working, you know, as uh, as as much as possible and or as as in an optimal way. This is a, a pretty global business, uh, but Israel is not an enormous market. What, what, what are you thinking as Visual Factories uh, about that? And what is your kind of current client balance between you know, Israel and, and the worldwide market? Well, we started with, uh, with a local market, but we're, you know, we have more non-Israeli companies at this point than, uh, than Israeli companies. So we're far beyond the threshold of being an Israeli company. We're a global company. Most of our customers are actually international, um, you know, spread mostly uh, through uh, Europe and uh, North America. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting with this Israeli startup nation because, you know, you're forced to go international. It's just a question yeah. of which markets <laughs> to go to first. Yeah, because you know Israel is a fairly small market. You know, it's yeah. uh, and yeah. and I think one of the most interesting thing, the most interesting uh, thing, is that the balance between early stage startups like ourselves uh, and and uh, the number of uh, manufacturers uh, in uh, in Israel is uh, is uh, very uh, uh, is very high. So there's uh, there's quite. You know, you almost have to expand internationally very quickly because the the local market gets saturated very quickly. And uh, you know, there's a lot of software in Israel, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, turning into a uh, into a, a point where to expand, you need to go global. Hmm. So that's what we've been doing for the last few years, even before I joined. When you do go global, do you find that Industry 4.0 is, and by the way, I don't know if you use that term a lot when you're kind of communicating what you do, but uh, do you find that this idea that we have been talking about that manufacturing is not only exciting, but there there are opportunities here to to make some interesting changes and productivity improvements and, and more, uh, is that starting to become something people are excited about, uh, or or is it sort of an uphill battle still to convince the broader public that manufacturing is this place to be? And I, I think that the, there is a, a complex answer to this. So um, I think different manufacturers are very different in that in that essence. I think some manufacturers are, you know. They totally get it. So you explain to them the need for going digital, and it's almost like, okay, they're right there. They understand it, and you don't need to really go through the motions or go through the explanations. They know that they need to go digital. On the other hand, there are some people that are, well, they may have heard about Industry 4.0. They may understand what is digitalization as, as a process in general, but they are still not have not internalized what it means for them. So I think, and there's, you know, there's a wide spectrum of, of uh, uh, different uh, uh, manufacturers in between. And I think that the challenges, so the answer to your question is that some manufacturers are, are there, you know, especially the big ones, you know, they're, they're uh, going very fast towards industry 4.0. And, you know, may I say, um, you know, maybe too fast, because I think there's there's such thing as going too fast into uh, Industry 4.0, and that happens on the high end of manufacturing. So the big corporations who are putting everything in digital, and then their problem is not having 
too little information about the machines. It's about having too much information about the machines, and then you need to consolidate. So this is like one area, but I think most of the manufacturers are actually not there. They're, they're, they're struggling with what Industry 4.0 means for them. And, you know, especially when you think about it, some of the machines that manufacturers are using today have been produced, you know, in the, in the 80s, the 70s, uh, sometimes even the 40s and the 50s. So, you know, manufacturers are actually using machines which are quite old and, and, and they're still very much effective. So I think one of the key things is trying to see how we bring uh, industry 4.0 into manufacturers, which are not necessarily, you know, uh, 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 completely new machines, which are digital and are very easy to get to gain access to the to the to the metrics and the parameters within the machine. So I think that this is a, a big challenge between the different uh, the, the between different manufacturers. So Leo, are you actually arguing that some sort of like IoT retrofitting would be possible as well? I mean, or is there, are you simply saying that the reality is that in in many manufacturing firms you're going to have a discrepancy between you know new and old machines and you know we're going to have to live with those machines for a while we're not like you know there's no point here in scrapping all the old stuff because it is actually working pretty well i i think that i think that one of the challenges that we're facing is uh what i would refer to as uh, almost like democratization of, of manufacturing. So yes, you, we will have to deal with different types of machines. We cannot assume that everyone is going to replace their machines, you know, in the next two, three, five, ten years. And, and keep in mind, when I started this conversation, I said, well, we won't look in, into the future. But when you talk about technology and you talk about technology in the future, usually you take about Two years, three years, maybe five years, maybe ten years, but even the five years is is quite an amazing trying time to predict. You know, there is, uh, uh, I think it was Niels Bohr that uh, was originally, uh, well, at least uh, is attributed to have been uh, to have said, uh, you know, predictions are very difficult, especially when you talk about the future. So, uh, you know, in this context, we don't really know what's happening with technology because the change in technology, the, the, the pace of how technology is changing has been so dramatic. I mean, think about it, you know, 20 years ago, there was no Google or just about uh, or Google was not. I mean, and and there was Amazon as a company that's just slightly over twenty years old, and you know, uh, just fifteen years ago there was no uh, iPhone and no smartphones, and uh, you know, and, and and when you look at how technology changes changes our world, you see how you know if if you're trying to predict what's going to happen in five ten years, and all of a sudden. Uh, uh, something happens on a technological side and the ability to do things differently, it throws you into a different uh, trajectory altogether. So I think that when, when we take it in this context, when you go and say, well, are we going to be changing machines within manufacturing in five years? I think the chances are that most manufacturers are not going to be changing their machines. So you, we are, if we want to give an overview one coherent view of what is happening with the, with the manufacturing process, we will have to deal with old machines and new machines 
under the same uh, process in the same factory. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I, I think sometimes when we think about the future, we forget that the past still exists. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and it's I, as and, if and that happens sort of to us a lot, especially to people like us who, who do think a lot about the future. Yeah, well, I happen to be one of those futurists that think a lot about the past. I think that, you know, it is so important to take into account the legacy uh, uh, that you're dealing with, whether it's culture or actual, in this case, material structures, and, and ex- but, but also experience, right? Because you can't just take the workforce and say, you know, we're going to all go digital in some sort of meaningful way with like some advanced machinery, you, you know, the... Um, it is still not the case, although I think it's the, to your point with democratization, the ambition here with many of these software technologies is to go lower code, you know, which is the term, but essentially, you know, higher usability, um, and, and eventually empower workers so that there is less of that training. But, um, well, give us a sense. I mean, when you work with clients now, what what how important is the training aspect and and you know even just sort of getting your software rolled onto the factory floor it must be a process absolutely and i think it's one of the great challenges that we need to face it's uh it's you know i came across uh, this issue of trying to bring technology into an area that was not you know uh tech savvy and uh, and I've done that a couple of times in the past. The last time I've done it was actually a few years ago in the, the education industry. Okay, so when you look at schools and you say, okay, look look at a typical school almost anywhere in the world, that school looks pretty much the same as it has been for the last two hundred years. You know, there's usually a teacher they, in front of the students. Uh, you know, and and they're and they're learning. And when we and and there were a lot of efforts. In this area, like anywhere starting the like around 2000, you know, so like for 20 years, people are trying to change this area. And one of the things that we that was found is that the key issue is the is the people. So the teachers need to be more technology oriented to be able to utilize all these great tools that have been happening. And I think it's very much the same with manufacturing. So you cannot sort of uh, uh, disregard. The human aspects. So the, the 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 one of the key things for visual factories is to make sure that it's very uh, it's providing an, uh, an excellent user experience. So we cannot. I mean, the people that are using our systems are people that need to look at it almost like it's as if it's a it's a it's a it's an app on your iPhone. Something that's you almost need to think about it is almost uh, gamifying uh, a process. And and in that respect, I think a lot of people are talking about let's retrain uh, the, the the manufacturing uh, uh, people and or the people on the manufacturing floor uh, involved in the in, in 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 that process. And I think the challenge is on both sides. So obviously, yes, absolutely, there needs to be training. I mean, a lot of the people that have are used to to just utilizing the machines and working with machines will need to work with uh, with uh, software. And with screens, so that's one part of the challenge. And and yes, we are looking at training. And one of the things we're doing is is like a complete training package when we go on board and visit a customer, or when we implement a, a system at a customer side. But the second part, and I think the, probably one of the important parts of this, is making sure that the software is very easy to use, and is 
is fit to the people that are uh, using it. So, you know, we need to understand, you know, as, as I said, many the people that created visual factories or started visual factories came from manufacturing. You understand, you need to understand that the people on the manufacturing floor are not sitting, sitting in an office with a big screen TV and they're just typing away. They are in a place where it's not very easy or not all the time easy to use, uh, uh, you know, a, a a, a machine, a computer, or a tablet, or things like that. So the interface needs to be very easy. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I think what you're saying is important about wh- wh- where uh, the founders of your company came from, because if you think about the life of an operations manager today, certainly, you know, they don't come from software. Not exactly. not many, anyway. I mean, historically, Absolutely. they certainly didn't. And even engineers uh, who are assisting in uh, you know parts of efficiency gain processes or even kind of working on lean processes, none of them were educated in a software-defined educational environment yet. Right. Right. They might be graduating today, you know, this year. But even five years ago, they weren't, right? They, or at least software was a smaller part of their training. So this whole sea change cannot happen as fast as technology is happening. Absolutely. That's you right. know? So th- that's just mind-boggling. But if you are, yeah, and you must speak to a lot of these operations managers, yes. what, how do you deal with this? So you're dealing with a technology that's not native to you. You're dealing with a workforce that has zero exposure to this kind of technology apart from as consumers you know i'm sure they you know they could have iphones or 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 you right. know uh they could have advanced technology like uh, like the rest of us but they're not used to it in in their own work context w- what do you say to to that i mean where, where do you start with the training well i think there's two uh sort of uh factors that help us out in that way first i think that everyone is exposed to new technology so everybody has their iPhones. Sometimes people are exposed to technology. Uh, beyond that, you know, some people are exposed to technology through their kids. So we're all are almost overwhelmed with technology. Yeah, I have kids in the metaverse. You know, <laughs> I have people on Fortnite and Roblox. And exactly. Is, uh, you know, it's yeah. it's amazing because I I mean I. I I, I say thanks, you know, for that, for that, especially with COVID, you know, my, my, my son is uh, 13 and, uh, you know, he spent obviously over last year, a Too lot of time, time at yes. home. <laughs> yeah. And, but, you know, in a way it was good because otherwise, you know, it was, you know, what, what would these kids do? So they, what yeah, would they have Fortnite done? I mean, 10, 15 and, years ago, what yeah. would they have done? I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, they can't exactly. all be, uh, who knows? I mean, Lego for sure, but you know, yeah. they're, it's limited what, what you right. could do. Right. So in, I, I, in interacting with other people, especially. So I think that that's one way of, uh, of, uh, understanding that. I mean, people are exposed to technology. They know that technology is important and they see how technology changes the world. You know, and, and, and a lot of times, I just pointed out, sometimes we don't even understand to what extent technology changes our world. But think about, like, simple applications like, like WhatsApp. You know, you know I, I see how it, I mean, it, if you remember, you know, like 20 years ago, if you would call someone they, and they wouldn't pick up the phone, you would have a problem. And then, you know, and then came the, the voicemails. And uh, all of a sudden, you could leave them a message, and then they would get back to you. And there was a whole like—I mean, talking about Israeli industry, there was a lot of uh, uh, Israeli companies that were actually built on the ability to do voicemails. And all of a sudden, we don't use voicemails anymore. 
So it's all about different type of communication. So I think communication is changing our world. And I think one of the key things you were asking about operations managers, uh, I think that usually those people are very smart and they understand how technology is changing their world, not necessarily based on like exposure within manufacturing, but just by by looking at the world and understanding that technology is there. And obviously, it will have an impact on on their business uh, uh, as well. So this is this is what is helping us. Uh, plus, I think that you know you, you are as a manufacturer, you're always trying to see how you can do things better. How you can, you know, uh, increase your profit margins, how you can gain more customers. How can you tell your customers in better ways when the delivery is going to be ready? How can you price your, uh, your, uh, uh, your products in a better way? So when you're trying to improve, you know, just to be very honest, our software, and I'm not just saying about visual factors, I think like everything that is, is utilized within the digital transformation or industry 4.0 is really there to support other processes. We are trying to make manufacturing better. We're trying to make it easier to be more profitable. It's, uh, we want to be, we want to support better management decisions. So having said all that, I think that we, we fall into a place where people are trying to utilize us to improve their own business. And this is where it says, I mean, when I, when I talk to people, this is where it goes to. It's like, okay, how can I improve uh, your business, or I, how can I help you improve your business? Hmm. Any industry developments that you're particularly excited about? I mean, in the coming year, it's obviously been a strange year behind us, and I know Israel has uh, sort of fought off the epidemic, uh, the pandemic, in a pretty efficient way. But you are op- operating in a very complicated global environment, even that if that be the case. That's true. What are you excited about, though? You know, as you're going into you know the, the, this next year, what what are some of the things that you think will will be good? I guess for your company and and in you know to this discussion on on uh, industry changes. I think one of the key things for for us for us in this business for how we can uh, you know improve manufacturing. I think that. Different types of software, sometimes classified under artificial intelligence, uh, uh, deep learning, uh, is one of the key things that we'll need to bring on board and into the manufacturing space. Uh, I don't think it's very clear, and I think that's you know it's 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 in a way it's good that it's not clear. It just means that you know we have uh, many paths that we can take, and 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 we are. Sort of in an uncharted uh, territory, uh, so I th- I'm really excited about that. I think there's a lot of things that can happen in in manufacturing that will probably uh, almost uh, um, you know it's almost like climbing up uh, a big step forward uh, because I think that bringing what we do today as far as being able to get measurements and metrics on the machines. And then tying that with uh, with uh, processes that they can actually make machines and processes smarter, I think that could be very exciting. That means that we'll need to get AI processes, deep learning processes into uh, manufacturing process uh, uh, optimization. Hmm. 
What about, we've talked a little bit about the future being a complicated thing to predict, but uh, mm. w- what is next for the, for the factory as such, or, or even, I guess, digitalization of, of the factory? Where, where do you think this is going and, and, and how fast are we, are we going there? We've, we've talked about the things that are slowing us down. We've also talked about some of, of the prospects of, of AI and other things, really speeding things up. What what will the next decade look like for you? I mean, is this going to be the decade that truly transforms manufacturing, or is it going to be more like uh, other revolutions? It's not going to be, a, you know, it's not going to take a year or a decade. It's you know, it, it, in history we call it a revolution, but in actual fact, it was a long process. Right. You know, when you go through a revolution, you don't necessarily know that you're going through a revolution. So, I mean, you know, if you zoom out and you say, okay, well, the, the third decade was, a, was really very transformative and many changes have occurred. I think that, that you know, it's, again, it's very difficult to predict, but I think there are going to be many changes in the next decade. Um, I think that when, you know, we're in 2021 today, I think in 10 years from now, manufacturing for the large part is going to be very different than it is today. And I think it's going to be, in one way, a lot more, a lot smarter, a lot more new technologies trying to look at the process based on the information coming from the machines, not just, you know, not people looking and saying, okay, this machine needs to operate this way and this machine needs to operate that way. I think it's more information that will be coming from machines and then you will have some kind of a, a process generator, AI based that will say, well, if you move this machine over here or if you buy another machine or if you uh, take these two machines and, and use them in a different way, I think that's one of the, the great transformations that will happen. And also, I think it will affect the industry in, in, in several ways. I think a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of focus is going to be shifted to what I would re- refer to as smart industries, but still in context, of, in context of what we said before is that the machines would not necessarily need to change, but there will be another layer that will make this uh, process smarter. Um, so I think there, there, you know, I think that one of the key things for manufacturers to realize is that it's it's going, you know, if I had to label it, it's it would say I would say it's going beyond the machines, it's going beyond. The, the, the very little thing that you're doing and trying to expand on uh, on a different level. That makes it more nebulous though, Lior. Because true. once you start getting into what people traditionally had called soft, right? So it's like, oh, it's about people or it's about soft skills or whatever you want to label it. It becomes a bit nebulous. So which way is this going to go? Well, let me try because to make it, would it have to be a little charted, more concrete. Right? You know, I yeah. think one of the things that uh, a lot of people do when they talk about the future is they they make it a little more vague or nebulous, and then uh, and then you know you're probably right because you're saying things which are very general. Yeah. So yeah. what I said is very. I mean, but I still think I, I still think there is a there there is a great importance to understanding the structure before we get into the concrete things. So uh, let me say this. I think one of the areas that is going to be uh, changing is how workflow within within a factory is is, is going. Uh, 
for example. And I think that, I mean, try to think of, of a decision that, a, that an operations manager or maybe a, a, a CEO of a, of a you know, mid-sized company uh, needs to make, such as, do I need to buy more machines? Or do I need to uh, replace certain machines with others? I think this is going to be a decision that is not going to be an intuitive decision as it is today. I think it's not going to be, okay, let's look at the reports and see, uh, uh, you know, if uh, we have orders for, uh, you know, X amount of products, therefore we need another uh, machine. I think it's going to be based on how do I optimize my process? And that will be something that will be external to, uh, uh, to the machines themselves, but the information will come to, to the, from the machines to be able to support that decision. Uh, and so that's one, uh, one type of concrete example of where it's going to, uh, to go. Plus, you're going to need to, to tie into this process different trend and, uh, trends and assumptions about you know, what, can, what, what my capacity needs to be. So I think those are two things. One, one thing is, is very external. So what are your predictions as far as the future demand is for your company? And the other one comes from the machines as far as, okay, how, how, how do I meet that future demand? And I think that is going to be, those are going to be two processes that are going to be highly supported by, uh, by, uh, uh, by technology, by different types of technologies. They are fascinating. It's a, uh, it's a great. I hope that was concrete. Enough. Yeah, no, that was much, <laughs> that was much clearer to me. And I think, and I think it's clarifying for, for this discussion to, to have an idea uh, of, you know, not just the technologies, but the kinds of processes that are uh, going to need to change. And so that, that should be useful if you are, you know, in operations in, in, in any manufacturing function, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, it's the, this or that or the other. Well, thanks, thanks a lot, Lior. Yeah, you and I will will meet again uh, uh, tomorrow, and we'll right. we'll have more conversations. So this uh, right. is just the beginning. Thanks a lot. Great. Thank you. Bye bye. You have just listened to episode thirty-two of the Augmented Podcast with host Trun Arne Unheim. The topic was visualizing factories. Our guest was Lior Zadikario, Chief Revenue Officer at Visual Factories. In this conversation, we talked about the complex reality of Industry 4.0 and how the future is a product of the past and what will change in the life of an operations manager of a manufacturing company over the next few years. My takeaway is that visualizing manufacturing means making what machines do visible. More than that, it means starting to understand what humans do on the shop floor. Even more ambitiously, we have to figure out how humans and machines can work better together. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at augmentedpodcast.co or in your preferred podcast player. Watch us on YouTube and rate us with five stars. And if you liked this episode, you might also like episode 19, Machine Learning in Manufacturing, episode 27, Industry 4.0 Tools, or episode 25, Industrial tracking. Augmented. Industrial conversations.